get in the zone. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, wherever you're listening to this podcast right around the world, everyone, welcome to the Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. I'm your host, Gary Lowe. This week, I was in Victoria in downtown Hoppers Crossing. Someone came up to me and asked, hey, what's the name of the podcast? And I said the Yellow Bull Podcast. Get involved. Well, welcome to episode 16 of the Yellow Bull Podcast. Can you believe it? We've made it this far. It's officially a world record for the most indoor cricket dedicated podcast episodes ever. Juzzy, can you believe it, mate? We've made it to 16. Can't believe it. It's not uh, not too bad from us at all. Now, last week when we were doing the final tweaks on the show, we heard the Yellow Bull Podcast was mentioned on Nova FM on the Kate, Tim and Marty drive show. This is the number one national drive show with 1.6 million listeners per week. And I understand you've been in contact with the, the Nova network and they've given us a green light for the audio, mate. Mate, they said uh, get it out there on the uh, Yellow Ball podcast. Of course, mate. We're, the, we're on top of the podcast heap here at the Yellow Ball, mate. So uh, they'd be very honoured, I'm sure, to have their audio on. So if you've got the grab there, mate, um, fire it off, I guess. All right, let's get into it. We're throwing straight to you. This is a, an indoor cricket podcast, Kate Ritchie. Um, oh, that's right, a podcast dedicated to indoor cricket. Okay. Okay. There's a lot of information here. Facebook message from G-Lo. Mm. G-Lo. Mm-hmm. On one of my fave cricket podcasts, they talk about KTM, how it's their favourite show, and also talk about how Jeremy... Your mics are. It's pretty funny, though. Thought you might like to know. Let's have a listen. One of my favourite podcasts, the Nova Drive Show, Kate, Tim and Marty. I do love them. Shout out to that podcast. And they did a test on, what's this covering here on the microphone? Is it called a popper? Uh, that, little... That's called a pop filter. A pop filter. And they did a, um, a test on how disgusting they are in terms of germs. How clean's this one I'm talking into, brother? Uh, I don't think that one's been cleaned since about 2012. <laughs> It's the yellow. yellow. Sometimes it's just information. (laughs) What about this bit? When he just went, it is what it sounds like on the tin. Not that bit. That's coming up next. Where's the isolated bit? Oh, here it is. That's called a pop filter. Not right. It's a pop filter. The yellow ball podcast. Mm. Yeah, that's that's indoor cricket. I love yellow ball. Do they play with yellow balls? Yeah, the indoor cricket. Yellow ball. Each week, the yellow ball podcast brings you a comprehensive wrap up of the 2019 National Indoor Cricket League, supported by Cricket Australia. God, that's that's niche, isn't it? It really is. (laughs) But when you play indoor cricket, it's I, I played it for years. It's a real cult thing. Like you can catch off the net with one hand. Oh, it's a brilliant game. And like we could keep the lot and you have the, you only use one glove and then you pelt the ball back with your other hand. Like it's fast paced. Oh yeah. I wouldn't listen to a podcast about it though. Absolutely not. <laughs> but well done to Gary and the boys. Under Surely any they don't just talk about indoor cricket. I reckon they might. What on the Yellow Ball podcast about indoor cricket? Of course they do. Well, don't they mix it up a bit? I don't think they're doing the biggest rat in China, you know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. No, I wouldn't have thought so. So we've just heard that, mate. They've taken the mickey out of us a little bit there. Are you sure this is called a pop filter? Because they reckon it's a popper and they had a bit of a go that it's a pop filter. Mate, commercial drive jocks would would not know a thing about it. It's a pop filter. That's what it's called. No, but um, look, uh, what do you reckon, mate? Mate, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Um, yeah, it, it's great coverage. And who would have thought Tim played indoor cricket? That's right. You know, he was talking about wicket keeping and throwing the ball back. And, um, you know, I, I think that's it's pretty brilliant stuff for, for the podcast, mate. So, um, yeah, cheers, mate. And thanks for getting that audio for us. Appreciate it. No worries. We interrupt this podcast for a shout out to our indoor cricket sponsors Sportscast, the official broadcast partner, and Burley Seacombe, the official ball supplier of the National Indoor Cricket League. Well, if you're just joining us for the very first time, you've picked an incredible week to come on board. There is a hell of a lot happening in this week's show. And of course, if you're a regular listener, You've come back for another week and a big salute to you for all your efforts, your legends. Keep up the good work. Uh, This week's show is completely epic uh, because we have Brianna Binch, the Indoor Cricket and Events Manager from Cricket Australia, joining us on the show. And we'll be asking her all the tough questions that everyone in the indoor cricket community has been dying to ask. So I'm telling you, there's some information in this interview that you are 100% definitely not going to want to miss. So that's going to be coming up. In fact, it's so important. It's going to be one of the first things we do in the show. We're going to have that chat uh, with Brianna Binch. Uh, For the final time this year, 
a bit, bit sad, isn't it? But for the final time this year, we make our way back down to Casey Stadium in Victoria. Of course, the NICL final series is going to be live streamed, but this week marks the end of the weekly live stream matches as they've been traveling all around the country. And uh, boy, oh boy, did it end in splendid form or what? I'll tell you what, it started with the Hoppers Hurricanes who took on the Cranbourne Kings in the women's grand final for the Victoria West Zone. And then it was the Croydon Raiders who battled the Casey Stars in the grand final of the Victoria East men's division. Both games were awesome to watch, but the men's game in particular, honestly, it had to be seen to be believed. So we'll have a look at both of those games and we'll see which teams will be heading to Toomble for the NICL finals. South African indoor cricket superstar Willie Brink will be on tonight's podcast as well. Uh, During the national championships, we had an opportunity to sit down with this humble gentleman to talk about all things indoor cricket. Earlier this season, we heard about how things work for England when Sean Ongers was on, uh, the English international player. And now this week, we're going to learn a little bit about South Africa. So indoor cricket, certainly the world game. And uh, it's really insightful to see how things are done in another country. We're very, very lucky here in Australia. Uh, I'll tell you that much. So stick around for that extraordinarily insightful interview indeed. Um, I mean, let's be serious as well. You just can't get any better than this kind of lineup. Um, We're mega, super pumped up for this episode. We hope that you are too. So come along for the ride as we get into the episode proper of the Yellow Ball Podcast. Cricket, the classic Aussie game that we love to play anywhere we can. The beach, the backyard, the local park, and if you're lucky, the MCG. It can even be played indoors. Indoor cricket is a fun, social and quick game that can be played all year round. And it's for kids and adults of all abilities. You only need teams of six or eight and everyone bats and bowls. Join an existing competition or start your own indoor cricket team. Visit playcricket.com.au you to find out more. Brianna Binch, she is the person at the top of the tree when it comes to the governance of indoor cricket in Australia. And uh, if you said that to her directly, she'd be um, pretty quick to dismiss you, I'd reckon, with a, a cautious smile and a gentle shake of the head. Uh, she's certainly not one for boasting and she doesn't really enjoy the limelight. Um, but she does, however, work tirelessly behind the scenes to ensure that all the attention, the accolades, the kudos all flows to the players, coaching staff, umpires, supporters, and any other person who loves this great game. It is a very tough job that Brianna Binch does, and in my opinion, she is amazing at it in conjunction with the rest of her team at Cricket Australia. She's always on the hunt for feedback, whether it be from the perspectives of broadcasting, player welfare, the growing of the format, rule changes, whatever it is, she's always prepared and ready to listen to anyone who might have a few ideas that will benefit indoor cricket. She will certainly and absolutely admonish me for bringing attention to it, but some of you may not know that the indoor cricket manager not only has skills in the corporate environment, but she can show some ability on the cricket pitch too. After initially making her competitive outdoor cricket debut with Middlesex, Brianna Binch came back to Australia in 2008 to link up with Victoria and Brianna has been the captain of the Essendon Maribyrnong Park side and has played for the Victoria Spirit and the Melbourne Renegades. So pretty handy in the boardroom and pretty handy out in the field and on the indoor court as well, I might say. So earlier on today, we caught up with Brianna Binch to ask her all the tough questions about the future of indoor cricket. Brianna, thanks for joining us. No problems. Happy to be here. And uh, first of all, I just want to say a big thank you to you. It's... um, it's quite rare that uh, an administrator of the game would um, give so much time and uh, answer some of the questions that, that are possibly coming your way, which you may or may not be quite ready for. So I um, just really do appreciate that. No, that's all right. Obviously happy to come on board and looks like there's been a few questions that have come in. So There has been, and uh, let's get cracking in. Uh, this one was sent in by Adam Veering, uh, and his question is about sponsors. So he says... Uh, we're just going to dive straight in. We're, no warm-up. We're going to go straight for it. So he said, looking at the old videos um, that Cricket Australia has posted, there seemed to be a large amount of what I'd call mainstream sponsors, like Schweppes was one of them. Uh, do you see this happening again? And has there been approaches to sponsors and have they taken it up? Yeah, look, sponsorship's obviously an important one for us and one of our priorities over the last couple of years. So 
Um, you know, we may not have had a, a sweeps in in the last few years, but we did um, have Beastwear on board for the first couple of years of our National Indoor Cricket League. So that was a, a two-year sponsorship arrangement that we had with them um, in supply and apparel um, and some financial input into that competition, which obviously reduced the costs for the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was probably our first main sponsor that we've had for indoor cricket in the last couple of years it does still remain a priority Um, I think it's you know a bit of a changing marketplace at the moment Um, so sponsors are hard to come by but certainly with the products um, and I guess the more the content that we're putting out now with the live stream and the reach that we're getting through that we're hoping to build a bit of a profile and a bit of a case to try and attract sponsorship in the not too distant future so hopefully that's not too far away. So definitely something that is very much on the radar and Cricket Australia is incredibly aware um, of very that. much so yeah very much so it's a it's a big asset I think for for cricket and um, I think there's plenty of opportunities for us in the short-term future for us to get a sponsor on board I guess that leads into the next question that was sent in by uh, Dennis Ledwidge um, he asked is cricket Australia looking beyond the current model of pay for play um, or is there a long-term plan for funding uh, the, for the best players in our country um, to not have to fund their own national tournaments. I had a discussion with Willie Brink, uh, who'd come across from South Africa, and he said, you know, in indoor cricket, there's four things you need to be able to do, uh, bat, bowl, field, and pay. Um, and obviously, he's come across from South Africa. So uh, at the moment, of course, those who make the Australian national sides, it is self-funded. Um, Dennis asks, do you see that continuing or will there be possible change? Yeah, we're well aware of the challenges that a lot of players face across the board. We know it is an expensive sport if you add in, um, you know, Super League competitions and ICL national championships and then Australian tours as well. So it it can be quite expensive for a number of our players. Um, Over the last couple of years, we've introduced a small amount of funding for our uh, Australian Open men's and women's players. So um, they receive um, $1,000 funding that goes towards their their travel and and their trips so to you know by all means it's still an expensive trip for them but that's a a bit of a starting point we're also committed to funding our coaches and managers on all our Australian tours as well Um, so I think um, I'm hopeful within the next 12 to 18 months particularly for the World Cup next year um, I'm pushing to have our Australian Open men's and women's teams fully funded so um, fairly confident that we should be able to get to a position where that's the case. Um, obviously, that's you know 24 players, and we would like to see that follow down. Yeah. Um, and particularly at a national championships level, I think it's probably difficult at the moment when we've got um, a lot of teams, a lot of divisions, a lot of competitions for it to all be fully funded. Um, but I guess maybe re-looking at what that model might look like just to reduce costs as much as we can is what we'll try and do and I think you know going back to the previous question around the sponsorship side of things um, we've we've kept team entry fees for national championships the same for the last couple of years and we're eager to try and reduce that year on year so it is uh, at least cheaper for players to come away and participate. And that's good there's obviously really positive steps um, towards uh, getting that pay for play um, kind of concepts, not as much, and uh, being able to carry some of that burden of uh, that financial burden of responsibility. I think that's a really positive thing that Cricket Australia are doing. Yeah, uh, look, it's it's difficult because you know everyone wants more funding and everyone wants help in some little way and we yeah. know it's been a difficult well it's expensive for a lot of players that go away you speak to players that have been involved for 10 15 years and they've spent thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars on indoor cricket um so we do want to you know prioritize our australian teams as being fully funded and that's what we're going to try and work towards over the next 12 to 18 months. That's uh, really pleasing and I'm sure that there are a lot of people within the indoor cricket community that aren't aware of that which is why I think there's real power in something like this podcast and you coming on just to be able to disseminate that kind of information because people may not otherwise know. Um, So that's really positive to hear. Um, In terms of next year's World Cup and where that may or may not be, I'm sure you're not going to tell us here on the podcast. You're a very uh, giving person, (laughs) Brianna, but I'm sure you won't tell me today. But um, a question sent in by Warren Haffenden, he just asked if there's um, kind of any planning um, that goes ahead in terms of when national tournaments are announced. Um, Can it be uh, announced a year prior and following on to that very basically what's the process of how a center gets appointed a national championship yeah sure i think this one is probably um, a common question that we get asked a lot actually just around the announcement of national championships um, in the year preceding um, the 
the second part of your question around the, the process for appointing um, venues, we went through a process probably two or three years ago now where there was facility audits conducted across the country. So we've got details on every indoor cricket centre um, across the country, how many courts they, they have, the condition they're in. Um, so we've got a fair understanding as to what availability of centres there are around the country. Um, so we use that, but then um, what we also do is approach local councils and state government to try and attract some funding for each of the national championships. Um, obviously by getting a little bit of funding from whether it's state, local um, or federal government, then that does reduce the costs for the players. So that's our number one priority is to try and uh, secure some funding for each one of our events and that's generally why there can be some delays on announcing national championship venues so um, you know we would love to be in a position 12 months before each event to announce um, next year's venue and where possible we will still try and achieve that however if you know you are dealing with councils and, and local government sometimes these things take a little bit longer than um, what you anticipate and if it's the difference between getting funding and, and not getting funding then um, we will hold off that decision just so we can maximize our opportunity to secure that funding and, and reduce costs for players so um, yeah we would like to be in a position to announce it 12 months in advance however we won't jeopardize the chance of trying to secure some funding to to make that happen so um, we are mindful that flights and accommodation need to be booked as early as possible so as soon as we have an answer um, it's not like we're hiding it deliberately as soon as we have an answer we will let everyone know where it is and in terms of competitions of course there's a national championships and we also have the national indoor cricket league uh, will the nicl be returning in 2020 and uh, will it be live streamed yeah, I th certainly think so. Um, we've had some a fair amount of success in the National Indoor Cricket League this year being um, the third season. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the live streaming element to it, that is, I guess, a part of our plan to um, go to, um, whether it's a broadcast partner or a sponsor, and, and show them what, what our reach and what the promotion of the game is and, and how many people are tuning in. Yeah. And I think we've seen the regular content of, of a Sunday evening um, being really attractive for whether it's you know the indoor cricket community tuning in or, or new players to the game. I think we're starting to see that happening. So we will continue to do that. Um, obviously, we'll do a review at the end of this season just to make sure players, coaches, centres are happy with the concept and how it's working. Um, we'll make some tweaks here or there based on the feedback that we get and as we do each year. But I still see that being a really, really viable competition um, that we can use to promote promote the sport. Are you in a position to give us a percentage on what is the likelihood of the NICL returning with live streams next year or is that a bit too uh, fuzzy at the moment? Look, it's, we probably haven't gone through the review process but if it was me um, guessing, my preference um, is that it certainly does continue. Um, I would say it's probably a 90% chance that it will continue, so very high. I had that down as one of my questions highlighted in green that you probably wouldn't answer, Brianna, so I'm, uh, I'm very pleased that you did. Thanks for that. Um, and, and probably just on the live streaming thing, I'll be mindful of time because I, I don't want to keep you for too long, but uh, Indoor Cricket was once regularly aired on free-to-air. Um, now it's, it's live-streamed on the Cricket Australia Indoor Facebook page. Uh, why do you think it's no longer available on television and do you think that it may one day return? Uh, we're definitely pushing for it to return. So the live streaming that we've introduced over the last three years is, is building a case to try and get it back on TV. Um, I think TV is probably a bit of a changing market in that a lot of people are consuming via live streaming platforms now as opposed to watching on TV. Yeah. Um, I also think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot more sport and a lot more content uh, that people are watching on TV, um, which is why indoor cricket may not necessarily be there as it was 20 or 30 years ago. Um, but understanding the, I guess, the extra exposure that you get by something being on TV, then um, we are working towards that. And I think Cricket Australia's partnership now with Channel 7 and Foxtel, and I think Foxtel in particular could really aid us to try and get some content on TV um, in the next couple of years. And that might be just through whether it's initially, you know, highlights packages, shortened games that we can show on the Cricket Channel, um, just an entry into to having indoor cricket back on TV. And... What is the biggest challenge facing indoor cricket at the moment, do you think? Uh, I think it's probably indoor cricket staying relevant. Um, 
they're you know kids are consuming sport in all different ways these days they're not necessarily going outside or going into an indoor center or um, doing what they always did to, to play sport they're on their iPads and iPhones and um, all sorts of technology which has um, come into play and probably wasn't the case 20 or 30 years ago so I think it's indoor cricket as a sport staying relevant and probably adapting to the times we are in now and I guess adapting the way that you know we might deliver it or the way that we provide kids programs and opportunity to play indoors. And we'll flip the pancake over. Um, successes since taking leadership uh, of uh, indoor cricket uh, a little while ago now. How many years ago? Uh, yeah, that? it's been about two and a half years now. It's, uh, so it's gone very, very quickly. <laughs> um, what do you feel's um, been your biggest success um, in terms of uh, indoor cricket here in Australia? Um, look, I think the National Indoor Cricket League is probably something that um, I'm proud of and I know that was something that was in uh, was first thought of probably three or four years ago now, but the implementation of that in its first year, um, the exposure that we got through that and some of the feedback we got from players participating in that competition um, you know, is something I'm really proud of and something that I want to now take to the next level. Um, the funding element is... Um, albeit not in place as yet, but in the next 12 to 18 months, um, that's something that I'm striving to achieve and hopefully that's something, um, a bit of a, a legacy that um, I can leave and um, give back to the players that have given back to indoor cricket for so long by them being fully funded for Australian tours. And my last question for you, I want you to put on your future goggles. Uh, it's the year 2034, 15 years' time. Uh, what will indoor cricket look like other than... Uh, myself probably still commentating and umpire guest probably still umpiring um will everything be the same or do you think indoor cricket will change and if so is there anything you think that might be changed in 15 years time um look or, I, or what, or what do you hope that might yeah change? yeah i mean a lot can change in that amount of time if we look back in that period of time a, a lot's changed in terms of um where the game's viewed and how it's um seen i think um, from a cricket point of view, I see um, perception starting to t- change from an outdoor cricket perspective. We're probably still a long way to go, but you know, in 20 yeah. or 30 years, I think indoor cricket will become um, a format of cricket and it will be known by everyone that it's just another format, so the fourth format of the game. Yeah. Um, that's something that I see happening probably in the next 10 or, 10 or 15 years rather than um, 30 years. Um, and look, I think the exposure of it. So, you know, if we do get it on TV and we get some of the more BBL, WBBL players, um, state contract, contracted players playing in these championships, then our engagement will just go through the roof and we'll get more people talking about it, more people hearing about it. Um, but as I mentioned before, we do still need to stay relevant. So um, we have got the ability to be a little bit adaptable in, in indoor cricket and, you know, tinker with a couple of rules, tinker with a few... Um, organisational structural changes around championships and things like that and if we continue to be adaptable and um, do that then yeah I think it can be um, probably back to where it once was 15, 20 years ago um, when it was you know popular and there was centres overflowing all the time so um, yeah that's something that definitely working towards. Well, uh, Brianna Bench, thanks very much for your time. I've gone well over the agreed time limit, but um, you know, I, I could ask you a million questions, but I, I do appreciate the time you've given. And one of my favourite things is to watch you and your team at work. I know that um, you and the team at Cricket Australia are doing wonderful things for this format of the game. And one of my most favourite things to do is when I see the complex problems come into uh, the organising room at a national championships is just to walk out and let you guys deal with it because there's some serious heavy lifting uh, that you and your team do. So on behalf of a wider indoor cricket community, uh, congratulations to you as an individual and all the connections uh, at Cricket Australia that work so very hard. Thank you, Lowe. Appreciate it. And obviously just want to give the Yellow Ball podcast a, a shout out and all your hard work, Lowe. And I'm not just saying this because you are sitting next to me, um, but, you know, your passion for the game is evident through the amount of work that you put in for, for something like this. Um, you do it on a volunteer basis and uh, in the aim of trying to increase the profile and increase the exposure. And um, we appreciate you giving up your time um, to be able to do that and we know you are extremely passionate about the sport as are the listeners um, so yeah we we are really appreciative of everything that you do for, for indoor cricket thanks that's a very nice way to end this Brianna thanks very much <laughs> mate. appreciate it no problems
Well, a very big thank you to Brianna. It would have been very, very easy indeed for Cricket Australia and to Brianna Binch to just simply not grant us an audience at all and uh, to allow us to ask questions of that nature. It would have been super easy, in fact. So I just really want to thank Cricket Australia uh, and Brianna for allowing us that insight and telling it exactly how it is. So, you know, hopefully that puts um, to rest some uh, mistruths or some possible rumours that are out there uh, about the way the game's administered uh, and also why things take time, you know, in particular with um, why there's a bit of delay in getting um, the host indoor cricket centre out for the next national championships. There is a theory behind it. It's just not happening um, just to be annoying. Um, so certainly thank you very much uh, to Brianna and Cricket Australia. The Yellow Ball Podcast, proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Well, we'll make our way now to the NICL live stream games in the women's grand final for the Victoria West Zone. We had the Hoppers Hurricanes clash with the Cranbourne Kings. And it would be the Hurricanes who'd walk away champions 142 to 124 and they'll make their way up to Brisbane to compete in the final series. This game was commentated by Sophie Jennings and Matty Wright, and it was commentator Matty Wright who caught up with both captains at the end of the game. Joined by the captain of the Cranbourne Kings here, Nicole Martin and uh, Archie. Um, how do you think you performed tonight, Marto? Clearly not good enough, Mads. No, no, look, uh, we just didn't bowl well enough. Uh, thought we batted pretty well. Um, big chase, but yeah, not good enough. What do you think you can take away from this game as a group? Um, look, I think for us it was really important. We had um, 11 players who were available to play, so um, it's good to see some consistent numbers. And as a club, you know, I think it's good that the girls want to stick around and play together. So hopefully we take away the experience and stick together as a family. Yes. Cranbourne have obviously been right up there over the last three years in the NICL and I'm assuming no doubt you'll be back next year um, so congratulations on the season and on tonight's game and commiserations and thanks for joining us on the Yellow Ball podcast no worries thanks for having studio. us oh sorry thanks for having us joined by Hulks here the Hoppers Crossing Hurricanes captain who won tonight um, congratulations firstly Hulks thanks buddy um, how do you think you performed tonight um, I think it was a very good toss to win um, and obviously being consistent with the bat made it very hard for Cranbourne but I think it would have been that whoever whoever won that toss um, I think it would have been a similar challenge so um, we're obviously played a lot of cricket on these courts so the batting is probably our strength um, but yeah I think it was a very good toss to win. Was there anything you wish you did differently tonight or did it all go according to plan? Well I think we knew Cranbourne were going to come out attack, attacking they obviously had to and I think at times we probably stepped back a little bit um, I, th- I think I said to the girls I just wish we kept attacking and um, Obviously, the pressure was going to be on them, but I think we stepped back a little bit at times and probably made them it easier for them to attack us. But obviously, we um, pulled it back when we had to. So heading towards the NICL finals in September in Brisbane, um, what are the key things you think that's going to take this group uh, as deep as possible in that tournament? Um, Hadn't really thought about Queensland until um, about 15 minutes ago. (laughs) Um, Didn't actually know where it was, but um, no, I think... As I said, I think one of our strengths was we had a fairly consistent eight all year um, and only changed maybe one player every now and again through availability. Um, so I think that will put us in good stead that we've played a lot of cricket together and um, we're, we're a fairly solid unit. Um, some would probably think we're a Masters team, but but that's okay. We As long as we can get through the games, we'll be right. <laughs> Easy done, no worries. Thanks, folks. Um, Thank you for joining us, and we'll head back to you in the studio. Thanks, Maddie. Yes, thank you very much to Maddie Wright. I think that uh, her and uh, Sophie Jennings did a wonderful job, and it was interesting to hear at the end of the game that Maddie was a little bit nervous. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, Soph. Uh, It's been a pleasure calling the game with you. Yeah. Some fun times. I look forward to doing it again, maybe. Or maybe you'll be out there one. Yeah, look, I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> not not going to lie. First, first live streaming gig, I was, um, I, was, I was a bit nervous there. I was almost as nervous as I think as you're place. really good. Ah, thanks, mate. So, yes, Maddie, you never have to be nervous. You can get behind the mic, uh, put the cans on the bonce and the mic in the mouth, as I do quite often say. And uh, hopefully with any luck, uh, I can have an opportunity to drag you into the commentary box because um, I'd certainly love to get your insights in the game. So, good job. Keep up the great work. Um, 
In terms of the game that was played, um, there was some massive hitting in this game. 31% of the players who partook in this match scored 20 runs or more off their own bat. There was plenty of drives with some back nets being peppered, and we saw plenty of sevens in the game. Oh, no. Oh. That's um, oh. almost <laughs> running out off the seven, but Hoagie's <laughs> just picked that up off a half volley and... Almost she drop kicked it to the back for seven. <laughs> yeah. It's a good that is a fantastic shot. And here we have Haley. Oh, by the look from Amy Melford's face just then, that definitely was not intentional. That no. was a bit of a top edge, and it's just flown for seven. Um, but I reckon she'll come off the court and tell you it was intentional. Um. Oh, <laughs> fair ball to start us off here. Just safely navigate this, Kings. Oh, <laughs> and she has... Interesting. That's that's just flat batter for seven. Yeah. Haley's tried to go with a quicker ball there, probably the wide Yorker sort of style yeah. um, for the third ball and just missed her length, but um, really short and let Julia get underneath yeah. that. Yeah, and to put it simply, um, when you go out there and pile on 142 runs in six ball over games, that's really going to be enough to put any team to the sword. For the Kings needing almost nine runs per over, to win, which is pretty savage, you know, especially when you start losing some wickets. It really puts it in the almost impossible basket. So I was uh, impressed with how close they actually got. Nicole Martin really leading from the front. Um, She blasted 27 runs off her own stick, which is super impressive. Um, But even with a Nicole Martin batting clinic on display, it just still wasn't enough for the Kings to get home. The Hoppers Hurricanes, they've put on a similar score against Cranbourne previously. Um, Back at the start of June, they scored 143. uh, And then in the grand final, they scored 142. In reply to those two big scores, the Kings put on 107, so that's not too bad against 143. And then in the final, 124, chasing 142. So they got progressively better, but uh, on both occasions, unfortunately, just not enough. So congratulations to the Hurricanes, who were the dominant team all year, winning the most skins, the most games, finishing on top, and the only team to score over 1,000 runs in the season. So we wish them all the very best for the NICL final series in just a couple of weeks' time. Are you interested in playing indoor cricket? Visit playcricket.com.au to find your nearest centre. If you haven't seen the Croydon Raiders versus the Casey Stars grand final for the Victoria East Men's Division, go back to the Cricket Australia Indoor Facebook page right now. Do yourself a favour and watch it. It was unbelievable, implausible, fantastic and highly unlikely. In one word, it was awesome. This game was commentated by Peter Lisson and Trav Baker, and unfortunately, no post-game interviews were conducted for this men's game. Which is a bit of a shame, as it would have been awesome to hear their thoughts. Um, but in any event, uh, we'll move on and uh, do our own breakdown of what happened. The game ended up Croydon Raiders 79 and the Casey Stars 80. Uh, it came down to the last couple of deliveries, but at the end of the 15th over in the second innings, commentator Trav Baker had called the game, saying that the Casey Stars had it in their hands, but they'd dropped it. He called it over and said it would be a Raiders victory to follow, but no one bothered telling the Stars that, however, as they fought their way back in, and it was a Nathan Harford five off the second last ball that got the Stars home. So the Croydon Raiders did everything they could to stop uh, those runs from leaking towards the end as well. They dropped all the players back. The front court were as far back as they could towards the three line. The sweepers came back um, right up against the five net. So they were right up against it. But Nathan Harford, he somehow managed to get through the field, score the five and, uh, and win the game for his team. Justin Perkins from Croydon. Uh, well, he must be feeling like he walked under a ladder while kicking a black cat into a broken mirror on Friday the 13th. He must be one of the most unluckiest guys getting around. The Croydon Raiders captain came perilously close to winning a national title with the Open Men's Victoria team at the national championships. And they were arguably the team to beat all week during those champs as well. And now with Croydon. They only lost one game to the Milton Falcons way back in April, and that was the opening night of the NICL, and they've won every game since then. 12 wins from 13 games, finishing on 79 competition points, well clear of second position, the Cranbourne Kings on 57. However, when it came to the big dance... They just couldn't get the job done. They went down by one. So the Stars have come from third to win uh, this competition and to secure their spot in the NICL final series. 
And, of course, they are now crowned Victoria East Men's Champions for 2019. Congratulations. We wish you well, and we'll see you very soon in Brisbane. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia, this is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Now, that was the two live-streamed games uh, that were the Cricket Australia indoor Facebook page this week. Um, I will, however, make mention on a game that wasn't live-streamed, and it was at Ipswich Indoor Sports in Queensland on Saturday evening. Uh, I went to Ipswich out there with my wife and my young son, Uh, Not going to lie, I had a couple of frothies. I had a lovely time. It was one of the few uh, opportunities and occasions where I can actually go to the indoor cricket match and not uh, have work to do in terms of commentary or whatever it is, um, you know, capturing content for the Yellow Ball podcast. So it was great just to be there with my family, uh, having a couple of beers and enjoying the cricket. Uh, In particular, uh, watched the 1 vs 2 National Indoor Cricket League South East Queensland men's semi-final. Gee, that's a mouthful. Um, And there's only two competition points. I'm pretty sure that's separating these two teams. Um, And the game ended in a draw. So Sam Steed needed a three to win. However, it was a two that inevitably got hit. Um, So it was 106 runs apiece. Um, So going through, um, because they finished higher on the ladder, will be the Victoria Point Vipers. And uh, the Strathpine Burrows will have to play again next week. So just want to highlight what happened there at Ipswich over the weekend. So there were 18 games of indoor cricket played across four time slots at Ipswich Indoor Sports on Saturday night. And the atmosphere was ridiculously crazy. I talked about it um, last podcast or possibly the podcast before. If you get an opportunity to head along to an indoor cricket centre and watch these games live, do it. There is nothing better than going there, relaxing. You can have a lemonade, you can have a beer, you can have whatever you like um, and just get involved in it. It was brilliant. You could barely hear yourself think. There were spectators everywhere. The atmosphere was awesome. So, um, you know, a big well done to Queensland Indoor Cricket and the entire team at Ipswich Indoor Sports for a wonderful evening. This is the Yellow Ball Podcast. Follow all the action of the NICL at facebook.com slash indoor. Finally, the South African representative and the World Cup most valuable player caught up with the Yellow Ball Podcast just a few weeks back. So in this episode of the Yellow Ball Podcast, we'll be having 16 overs with Willie Brink. He represented Western Australia at our national championships. He's a very charismatic and likable gentleman who's deeply committed to seeing the growth of indoor cricket in his native South Africa. Willie, first of all, thanks for joining the Yellow Ball Podcast. Thanks, Gary. Uh, Great to be here. No worries. And um, first question, burning to ask you, when did you realize you have a superhero name? Willie Brink, that's a pretty cool name, mate. When did you realize (laughs) that that was, um, you know, it's like a a Superman or a Spider-Man type name. Pretty cool. Well, growing up, I always thought that, uh, well, my name was normal to me, but I actually always thought that my name meant something great. Yeah, and uh, And does it? Well, apparently these days it does. (laughs) Yeah. Mate, um, first of all, welcome to Australia. Um, You're a South African international player. You've played at the World Cup in Dubai. Um, You made the World 8 and were an MVP player, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's correct. It was uh, kind of a shock to most of us, but... uh, I'm one of those guys, I just give it my best when I go out there and when I set a goal for myself, I make sure I reach it. So, And this week you've got quite a special role. You're playing in our national tournament, the Indoor Cricket National Championships, and you're representing Western Australia. So how did that come to be? Yeah, so last year I actually had a chat with one of the guys that played for Western Australia last year and um, he told me that they've got a spot open and they had a chat with the coach and the management team and whatever and they were quite keen to get me over. And we started to get that ball rolling, and um, unfortunately, we didn't follow all the protocols that was needed. And right. uh, Cricket Australia kind of put a stop to that last year, but we followed the correct processes from that time up until now. And um, I played in the NICL, qualified, and well, here I am. And the standard of competition, because you've played in. Do you call it nationals or provincials back home in South Africa? So we call it the interprovincial tournament, the right. IPTs, because mm-hmm. uh, we've got the provinces in where you guys have the states. Yep. And yeah, so it's the provincials. 
And how do you find the standard of cricket between the indoor cricket national championships here in Australia compared to the provincials back home in South Africa? Is it a better standard? Is it the same standard? Do we do things a little bit differently over here? How does it kind of compare? Yeah, so the Australian nationals is it's just, it's a it's better than anything I've ever experienced. Wow, okay, it's actually. Cool. So I, I've been joking this whole week and saying in the World Cup I only have eight Australian players to worry about at a time, and now there's uh, six teams. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, they're just everywhere. It's, it yeah. really becomes quite difficult. So now the standard is is amazing. It's 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 very good. Um, I've learned quite a lot over this week, and I'm really looking forward to taking some of this back to South Africa, so that come the next World Cup we can maybe come and try and beat you at your own game yeah and I'm sorry that we've given you all those secrets mate we feel a bit terrible about that what, <laughs> um, what is it specifically that um, has really caught your attention or caught your eye that you think that we do quite well um, that you will be taking back home to South Africa yeah so this is something that we as um, the South African side quite uh, discuss at length is what the Australians do better and what I've picked up is that the discipline is something that really comes to mind that okay. um when when there's a set plan in place, the the way that the Australians actually execute this is so much better than what we do. So I think that's the first thing that we need to work on is our discipline, and just actually wanting to win. I mean, every single time we go on the court playing for Western Australia, it's the, the we just want to win, and yeah, that's uh, something that I really need to take back. Yeah, and I think that. Um South African indoor cricket, it's certainly on the rise and there's a certain standard of professionalism or, or semi-professionalism that's starting to grow. Um, Off-air we were discussing, however, there's two kind of different governing bodies of indoor cricket in South Africa here in Australia, of course, uh, Cricket Australia, who we absolutely love so very, very much and they do excellent things for the sport of indoor cricket. They're the governing body here, but things are a little bit different in South Africa. Can you explain that a little bit to our listeners because it's, um, it's something I'm, I'm sure is... Uh, would be quite of, quite of interest, sorry, to them. Yeah, so we've got uh, the two governing bodies would be the Action Sports South Africa, mm-hmm. which is a, a franchise system, which has the, the Action Cricket, which would be the same as indoor cricket. It's got the same rules and everything. Right. There's uh, Action Netball, Action Soccer. They've got Handball Tag, all these kind of sports, all that's being played on the indoor nets. Mm-hmm. And um, the other governing body would be the Indoor Cricket which is, it's exactly the same game. It's just um, owner-based, every center. Right, okay. We call it arenas instead of centers, but um, it's owner-based. So the the rules of the game and the game itself is exactly the same. It's just the two governing bodies that then, at the end of the day, come together when we pick a South African side. So uh, that was my next question. So the South African side is a combination of those two organizations coming together and selecting a, a squad to compete at the World Series or the World Championship. Yes, that's right. So, so when we have our nationals, it will be or provincial tournament. It will be two different tournaments. First, the the indoor cricket will have their tournament, and they will pick a a squad out of that. And then the action cricket will have their tournament, and they'll pick a squad. And then the two squads will combine, and out of that, the the final SA side will be selected. And a, a lovely little segue into. Your congratulations for being selected in the uh, 35 squad that'll be playing in Cape Town. Yeah, thank you so much. Not a problem at all. Um, how's that South African squad shaping up? Um, are you looking strong? Are there any injuries? Um, have you selected your um, captain yet? Is there a leadership group that's been formed? Spill the secrets, mate. Australians are dying to know. What's, um, what's the South African squad looking like so far? Okay, so I'm going to try and be, try and be diplomatic about <laughs> this. Um, so the squad is, it's, I'm, I'm extremely pumped up for this because uh, we've got a very strong squad. I really think that we've got a chance. Obviously, with Australia and New Zealand also in the mix um, and England even having a good squad, it can go anyway. But um, the preparation that we're doing, we have a, a very good program. We're really doing a lot of work, so there's not been a uh, the captain has not been selected as yet. Um, that will be closer to the time, but uh, yeah, we've got a, a good mix of actually everything. We've got a very very good squad, and I'm I'm looking forward to that tournament. Tell me one thing that South Africa, in your opinion, one thing that South African indoor cricket is doing very very well. And tell me one thing that you think South African indoor cricket could possibly improve on. 
So at a, at a base level, um, games during the week, I really think that we're doing a lot to get a lot of people in. Um, looking at uh, some of the games that I saw two weeks back in Perth, I can see that we have more people that actually want to play in the week. So on the lower lower end of the scale, like what we call we call that in house or domestic um, type yeah. league. So you're week to week, exactly. Know, so we, so we've stuff. got a we've got a, a very big pool of people that we can actually grow. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I, I really think we, we we're doing well there to get all these people along. Mm-hmm. Something that I think we can do better at is uh, maybe player support. Because okay. um, especially with international events, um, for us going overseas to play in a tournament is really expensive. And I mean, so at the end of the day, it becomes a four skill event. You need to bat, you need to bowl, field, and then you need money as well. <laughs> yeah, which is a it's, it's a really the, good way to put it. Yeah, it's the unfortunate truth, but at the end of the day, it's it's something that uh, that needs to happen. And what you've kind of commented on there is something that would be echoed right across the indoor cricketing community here in Australia as well. I know that's something that Cricket Australia is quite heavily invested in, is getting that kind of corporate sponsorship involved so players don't have to carry such a heavy burden uh, of responsibility financially. Um, So although we're in different countries, it's good to know we're all fighting a very common cause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know... You're very passionate about indoor cricket. Um, you know, you want to grow the game. You want to see the game do well. What is it about this sport that you just love so much? Because you're a mad keen maniac for indoor cricket. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what is it that just captures your imagination and um, made you fall in love with the sport so much 19 years ago when you first started playing? Yeah, so, well, I've played cricket, outdoor cricket my entire life. And um, I started playing indoor cricket basically when I was a teenager and the way that it that i don't know what what just uh what made me so in love with it it's just every single thing of it it's it's so quick and um it it tests you on different levels and it it tests your everything your your um ability in terms of um patience and uh just being disciplined in every single aspect and i think that's something that uh that i really love and i absolutely love this game it's it's uh yeah it's the best thing in the world and um i was watching uh, one of your games just recently and you're two different beasts on the court you're a different human being you walk off the smile comes on you know you're a happy chappy popping around brother you got some white line fever when you're out there you really um <laughs> i was watching you last night when you were playing and uh you're out there to win you're a competitive little man, aren't you? Or big man. You're about yeah. four times bigger than I am. Don't know why I'm calling you little. But, you know, when you're out on court, you're you're there for a purpose. Yeah, so at my wedding, my best man, when he had his speech, he actually said that uh, if you've ever played with Vili, you would know that he is a great guy. And if you've ever played against him, you would know that he's not a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's a... I wouldn't say win at all costs, but it's close to that... Um, I hate losing at all times and um, I would always give my best to win. I've interviewed a lot of people uh, with the Yellow Ball podcast and a lot of great players um, here in Australia and even international players and I find that is the one common trait with a lot of the successful players is that they have just this burning desire and passion that just is never extinguished Uh, and I see that in you when when you play and um, will you be back at later national championships and do you think that having a, an international come across and play is a good thing for our championships so look it's it's a, it's a very difficult question because um there's so much talent in australia that uh, i know for a fact that every side can have 12 australians in the side and still be very competitive yeah but i think in terms of growing the sport to be a better international sport because Australia needs somebody to actually come and give them a go. Yeah. And for us to be better the other nations, we would literally need to play in this tournament. So having, like we said earlier, having a marquee player on every side might be a very good way to go about it. I know it's a very difficult thing, but um, it's something that we can learn from. And I'm sure that we can also bring something to the to the party that the Australians can also learn from at the end of the day. And um, 
I say this um, with the greatest amount of respect, and I'm um, trying not to be a, a dirty, arrogant Australian when I say this, but I feel that we do have a certain responsibility in the world indoor cricket, world indoor cricketing community, sorry, to develop the game at, at a global level. I think that Australia have got wonderful systems in place, uh, and I think that having that international um, flavour um, in amongst our national championships will contribute to growing that game, much like you've come across and you're going to take a few things away and head back to South Africa. I can't see any reason why we can't have a member from Sri Lanka and New Zealand and England to come and experience what we do here and take that back to their home nations to grow and develop. So I feel from our level, um, from a cricketing, uh, or from a Cricket Australia perspective, that we do have a onus of responsibility to the global game. So um, I agree with you wholeheartedly and um, I hope to see you back um, in the coming years. Will you come back if there's an opportunity? Yeah, no, for sure. That's, uh, we've actually started to discuss it and um, I would be mostly honoured to be back. But uh, obviously finances will be an issue and all that kind of thing. So, But yeah, we'll work sure. on it, we'll work on it. And uh, I always almost want to say I'll see you next year. But... Uh, I definitely want to come back. So, yeah. And I agree with you. I, I think the, the record speaks for itself. Um, I mean, Australia has won every single World Cup. So there's definitely something that you do better than all of us. But I'm 100% certain that we've got the same amount of talent. It's just the fine-tuning that needs to happen. Yeah. And I find that as well. South Africans are very proud with their jersey. They put that on and um, they have absolutely no less pride in their jersey than what an Australian has or what an English person have. You know, it's just those little things that need to be tweaked and then, um, you know, South Africa will be uh, right up there uh, with the Australians. Uh, I'm absolutely sure. I've got complete confidence in that. Yeah, look, no. So that's one thing that I know for certain is that a South African has passion for sport like no other person on earth. So... We definitely have pride in our jersey, and uh, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, walking out on the court representing South Africa for the first time is something that you cannot explain to anyone. It's one of the best feelings of my entire life, sporting life, of course, and uh, yeah, so we definitely have that passion. Well, mate... um Thanks very much for coming along to the Yellow Ball Podcast. Appreciate your time. I, um, I've stolen him away from the Western Australian squad, so thanks for removing yourself from that kind of theatre and coming along and having a discussion. Very, very welcome on this podcast anytime, and um, it's a real pleasure to have you at our tournament, mate, and I, uh, I wish you all the very best um, for the remainder of the National Indoor Cricket Championships here and, and for the World Cup, mate. So, um, you know, again... Can't tell you enough uh, how really honoured we are to have you on and um, to have you in our country. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, to me, it's a, it's a big privilege to be here and to actually be on the podcast. Uh, I'm a, a proud listener. And, <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, thank you so much for your, what you're doing for the game. Uh, I appreciate that from a player perspective as well. No worries, thank mate. You. Thanks for stopping by. Cool. Yeah, big thanks to Willie Brink for uh, taking the time to sit down and have that discussion. Certainly, my friend, you are welcome back onto the Yellow Ball Podcast anytime. Well, that wraps it up here from the Yellow Ball Podcast. Again, thank you so much for your company. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts, give it five stars, leave a comment when Cricket Australia Indoor do their post about the podcast. Like it, share it, tag people in it, get the word out there. Um, You know, there's going to be some very big discussions happening with Cricket Australia in just a few short weeks' time about... Season two of the Yellow Ball Podcast. I'll be 100% open and transparent with you. I've got absolutely no idea what Cricket Australia are going to say. We'll put this season up on the hoist and see how it's all worked out. But what I can tell you from the preliminary feedback we've received from you all, it is brilliant. That's the feedback that we're getting from you, that you're enjoying it. The numbers are great. We certainly love making it for you every week, and you guys seem to be pretty engaged. So as long as you guys see value in it and you think that it's a value, I reckon we'll just uh, keep on keeping on, baby. But from all of us here at Yellow Ball HQ, thanks very much for joining us this week, and we'll see you very soon on the Yellow Ball Podcast. You've been listening to the Yellow Ball Podcast. Proudly supported by Cricket Australia. Get in touch with us anytime, yellowballpodcast at gmail.com.